0: Imagine you picked up the most important book in the world, a book with words that can transform hearts. Now, imagine when you opened up that book, it was full of highlights and notes in the margin, and so you could see how this book has transformed someone's heart. This is The Notable Podcast. These are discussions where pastors not only take seriously the biblical text, But they share what they've been underlining and highlighting. All of their notes that help them share the world's most important book and how it's transformed their hearts and how it can transform the hearts of the people you know. This is Season 5, Coming Forth as Gold, a reading of the Book of Job. You're about to hear a conversation between John and Tim Borman, twin brothers, both Christian pastors. Tim is a pastor in Queens, New York, and John is a pastor in Aiken, South Carolina. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support us or hear more, visit NotablePodcast.com. That's N-O-T-A-B-L-E podcast.com. Here's John and Tim.
1: Timothy, it's time. It's time we have to do two things. We have to take Job chapter 19. This is the biggie. This is the climax. This is the peak of Job and faith. And it's also time, Timothy, to stop thinking for a second like Western people. (laughs) What do you mean? We have to stop doing that. You know, everybody tries to you know we we western people we have this idea that thinkers and writers should climax their big thoughts at the end of a written work and that it has to flow logically and that it moves to a conclusion and and this is how western people think this is not how the bible often functions one of the premier examples of this, of course, is First John. You know, Western readers read that and they get so frustrated because it's circular and and John is constantly reiterating points and it doesn't seem to move in a linear fashion. Um, Job is similar in that sense that in the middle of the book is the height of his argument. Is the climax, the, the peak, the pinnacle, the apex? Have I <laughs> <laughs> Did I give oh, you enough language man. there? <laughs> and 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 just just so people understand, like what we've come to today, as we've we've really got to the Mount Everest of Job, and and maybe of the Bible, you know, maybe of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, certainly. What is our great hope for for Jesus, right? Yeah, I, I mean resurrection, yeah. and what what is like a must sing hymn on Easter Sunday like what what do you ha- like what do you have to sing you must sing it um <laughs> i know that my redeemer lives i i can i can yeah. hear it in my head right now and but what's incredible about that like if you would take that hymn and you would set it in its in its original context it, it it's breathtaking like it'll it is Because, I mean, Jobs dying. You know, like he's in the hospice ward, Jonathan, and and he's singing. I know that my Redeemer. He's not only is in the hospice ward, but let's remember his friends have beat him up. Um, His his wife has become a satanic agent. He's lost all of his children. Timothy Moore, they've left him. They've left him. They've abandoned him in every spiritual sense of the of of the matter. They, he talks about that. They, it's not just that they, he. They've struck him. They've hurt him. They've increased his pain. He complains about that in Job chapter nine. I mean, you know what this? I, I this is a lot like the Apostle Paul. He's thrown in jail, um, and he's singing hymns in Philippi. I love that. And but he, Job's in hospice. He's in hospice. And now he's singing a hymn. We have to. The reason why we're sort of beating on this issue is, at least for me, is because I think to some extent, Job's words um, can, in our minds, be contextualized wrongly. Like, you're right. All of us Christians were really used to hearing, I know that my Redeemer lives, and there's lilies, and there's little easter boys candy. with their perfect suits and uh women with hats on and you know this is the south right and and they uh, eliana my daughter's got her perfect little little girl easter dress on and everybody's happy and and the and the pastor's up front uh yelling jesus lives and this is not exactly the scene in Job. <laughs> oh no, far from it, far from it. I mean, this—Job's dying. He's in—he's in hospice cares. He's sick and tired of his friends, and—and and as a lasting memorial to his death, like he—these are the—the the, by the way, these are the only words he wants engraved in stone. And, with an iron tool on lead, as he's going to say, he doesn't say that about any of his other words. Yeah, so he's this is a monument. He wants to make a monument, and, and what he's saying is, "Oh, that my words recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead, and engraved in rock forever." Yeah. So he, Timothy, he's dying. Yeah. He's dying. He's he not going to be this around is his last will to make and his testament. complaint. It's his last will and testament. He wants his words to have lasting value, lasting impact, and boy, did they ever. <laughs> right? You know, that's right. But he's envisioning, it's so important here, he's envisioning himself to be dead, under the ground, unable to give voice to his complaint anymore. He. This is why he wants him engraved, and, and rock forever because he's not going to be around forever. And he and he's thinking about that a lot in the moment. So he wants a monument. Yeah, and, and this is what he wants the monument to say. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me! All right, Timothy. I'm going to do something that's going to be really frustrating, probably to you and our listeners. But we have got to hold off for, for just a second on interpreting those words, because we I, we've been saying this now uh, for weeks. But we actually have three Christological or Christ peaks. We've already said this is Mount Everest, but this is not this is not the first. Uh, even though it's the final, this is not the first time that Job has said something about this. So what I wanna what I want to talk about just for a second is that there are two other Christological peaks. And what I want everybody to notice is that As Job goes through his suffering, you see, in our last podcast, we talked about how Job bottomed out emotionally and spiritually in his lament, and he really, really did. And he does that a number of times um, in in, um, the the speech cycles. But he starts in Job chapter 9, and in Job chapter 9, verse 33, we actually have what I'll call our first Christological peak. Now, what I would say about it is that it's a pretty low peak. (laughs) It's a pretty low peak. It's like a foothill, okay? Think about it like that. And so this is what Job says. He says, if only there were someone to arbitrate between us. (laughs) So, I see how that's a foothill. It's not really faith yet it's more like a wish like i wish that there were somebody who could you know speak to god on my behalf now we i do want everybody to notice he does use a legal term there arbitration right there's even in our culture in our legal context we understand arbitration so job is saying uh, somebody uh, you know if only there was somebody who could legally Sit, sit me and God down and work things out. So and, and I would call that the first Christological peak. Maybe I, we shouldn't call it a peak, but it's at least a foothill. <laughs> uh, and then what happens is job's faith begins to rise. And we move to job chapter 16, where in Job chapter 16, what I would say about it is his faith, his what had been a wish actually turns into faith. And this is what he says. He says, even now, my witness is in heaven, my advocate on high. Now, so you got two things. First of all, this again, these, this is legal language. He says, I've got a witness. So you're in a courtroom. Somebody's speaking up for you. I saw what happened, right? He's got an advocate, somebody who's, who's speaking legally on his behalf. He's also, he's also believing that, that advocate has heavenly authority. So this is an advocate who's on high. Again, so so Job's Jobs, this is a beautiful, beautiful um, mediator theology. He's got somebody who's got legal responsibilities for him now. He believes this, and actually heavenly legal responsibilities for him. So somebody's up, uh, uh, come on, listeners. Come on, (laughs) you got to be thinking about somebody. This is beautiful, beautiful Christology here. Um, We got a witness who's in heaven. He's got legal responsibilities um, for me. This is what Job is saying. And in fact, what I'll tell you is that, go read this in Job chapter 16. It's really stunning stuff. But the minute after Job says this, he says, that's when he starts crying man tears. He softens. So in job chapter sixteen, we saw he was very angry. He made some uh, toxic uh, comments about God. He's bearing his whole heart to God. all of a sudden he he does emotional whiplash. He thinks because he thinks about this legal witness in heaven and he's crying man tears before God. He's softened all the way. so he's this this theology of mediator to job is is so important to him and then what happens is so we were in Job 9 then we went to Job 16 now we're in Job 19 and Timothy, his theology of a mediator has peaked out all the way there's some key differences here um, some key additions uh, that Job makes number one uh, what I'll point out to you is where before his mediator was in heaven where's his mediator now? he's on earth <laughs> He's on earth. Um, And in fact, look, I'll also tell you this. I want to comment more on all this stuff in a second. But he uses a different legal term this time to describe who this mediator is. The mediator has been somebody who can arbitrate. The mediator has been somebody who's a witness. The mediator has been somebody who can advocate. And now all of a sudden the mediator is a redeemer. He's a Yeah, Goel. It's a more complete theology of the Christ. And so we have to Timothy, we gotta talk about that. And then we gotta talk about where this Redeemer ends up standing. But <laughs> which one do you want to take first? Well, I th- I think I think we have to we have to acknowledge the critics here. You know, I think cuz there's people and I want you to speak into this Jonathan cuz there's people that, that 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 they will they will sit here and read Job and and they'll say there's no messiah here what messiah do you see here there I I don't see any mention of Christ um and you know the mosaic law hasn't been written yet how how you people you lutherans you know if you're a lutheran listening to this <laughs> you learn about redeemer and 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 you run that through your your 8th grade confirmation studies and and you're like that means to buy back and but none of that stuff had been laid down yet in the mosaic law um you know how can you say that that job's understanding of a goel is the same as yours you know i can you speak into that? Because, cause, well, first of all, I'd say, probably isn't. <laughs> it actually probably isn't. Um, I actually think that's a problem uh, that people have with this term redeemer. Uh, people will overlay um, modern cultural notions of what's actually happening here. So people think of, like, redemption as, you're right, it's like a... They go to like this couponing thing, you know, in their minds. Um, the eighth grade redemption to buy back? Yeah, or something like that. And and um, this this is not this is not exactly it. And and, and in fact, what scholars will tell you, um, thoughtful thoughtful scholars will tell you is that uh, biblically speaking, there are six different kinds of redeemers that exist in the even just in the bible um now w- this is something that god often does to help us us christians grasp who he is is he will take things from the culture use them as a metaphor to talk about uh, what he does in our life and here's what he the i think the better the, the better translation here would be uh, kinsman redeemer. Uh, here's what's happened in Job's life. He's lost his family. He's completely lost his family. His, his, his what We talked about his wife. We talked about his friends. He's got nobody who is actually fulfilling any kind of relational responsibility to him at all. None. They've all abandoned him. This is, and this helps us understand what Job is longing for, and more than that, what what he's believing in. Um, furthermore, um, it, it's very clear that Job is rounding out uh, his theology of of who this redeemer is. Who else is this redeemer? It's somebody in heaven. So it's it's the this this person clearly it's a person is has more than just earthly power this person has heavenly power in other words it has to be somebody with a heavenly and earthly presence and i'm sorry um i i, I understand where the critics come from but there's only one person who actually adequately fills out that description the second person of the trinity right so somebody somebody who spans all the way from heaven to earth that's what we're, that's what we're saying yeah and, and that right. and has legal responsibilities to family legal responsibilities to joe there's only one person who fits that description um that's Jesus Christ the second person of the trinity um so let's talk about Timothy let's talk about this redeemer i actually think that, remember what the problem is. You got, you got a satanic attack going on here, right? Um, Job feels an incredible sense of, of injustice in his life. He's had take, things taken from him unjustly. Uh, Job is saying, uh, this Redeemer is going to restore him fully, he and has, he has a legal responsibility to do that. That's what he's saying, to crush his enemy Satan. And we're, okay, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how how Jesus does that. That's coming up later in Job. Um so he has he has a responsibility to bring him justice. And what I would say, is, so think about this if we push push into this theology is this is a redeemer who has a legal responsibility to actually bring Job a complete shalom. And and I do think it's problematic if we simply paste an eighth-grade uh, catechetical understanding on the word redeemer, this is not just the forgiveness of sins. It is that. It's certainly that. Certainly, Jesus brings that to us. So all over the New Testament, um, we—it's more than that. This is this is complete biblical shalom. What is complete biblical shalom? It is everything in your life put back together again. So what? This is what I'm saying. Job chapter 19 is the promise of Job chapter 42. Let me put it another way. Job chapter 19 is the promise of a new heavens and a new earth. By the way, it's both for every single one uh, of the people to whom Jesus has a legal kinsman redeemer relationship. I, I think I think we should we should go farther than Job chapter 42. This isn't the promise of Job chapter 42. This is the promise of Job chapter 43. <laughs>
0: Amen. <laughs> oh, amen.
1: This is Yeah, Amen. This is I mean, look at all of the we we can we can talk about the Go and everything that it means until we're blue in the face. But what we really need to do is is look at what Job believed the goel would do. I mean look at look at what he says he's gonna do. In the in the end. In the end. So this is after Job is dead. Job is dead as a doornail. In the end. The Redeemer will stand on the earth. Now, why is he doing that? Because <laughs> Job's dead, right? He needs to raise him up. <laughs> he needs to call him out. And, and Tim, Timothy, uh, uh, man, we can, we need to talk about this. We have got to talk about this. In the end, he will stand on the earth. Actually, the I, I think the translation misses it here. The Hebrew actually says dust or ashes. Now, remember where Job was sitting. Remember what he's going to turn into.
0: Yeah, Ashes. Dust
1: to dust. Job, so well, this is what Job is saying. He believes that everything that has burnt down, specifically in his life, himself, his family, think about it all. This is the whole shebang. What he's saying is this redeemer is going to come he's going to stand on that stuff and he's going to resurrect he's going to restore he's going to bring complete and utter shalom peace to all of it and and it's going to happen in the end i now now some people some people will go in here you know they they make awfully bold claims like the old testament doesn't teach resurrection the the old testament Job chapter 19 doesn't teach resurrection. And and I want to show you where people get that. Like in verse 26, it says this, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. And there's a there's a little Hebrew word in there. It's a min. And people are trying to interpret: is it from my flesh, like apart from my flesh, I will see God? Or is it literally in the flesh? Like with my own eyes, I will I will see God. Now, now, Job's going to help. Some people say, "Oh, what Job is saying here is that um, outside of my flesh, in as a ghost, so to say, then I'll see God." And but no, that's wrong. Look at what Job says right after that. He intensifies it in in the biblical um, parallelism. I myself will see him. With my own eyes, like he's he's ruling out any false interpretation, any idea that after he's been planted in the grave, that he will never rise again. He he's saying no, I know it, I know it. To my heart is yearning within me. It's 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 beating. He's talking about a physical resurrection right now. I'm in hospice care. My heart is yearning. I can't wait for it there's going to be this Redeemer that's going to stand literally right over my grave and say, Job, come right on out, and I'm going to see him with my own eyes. Um, That's resurrection. That is resurrection. I know that my Redeemer lives. Well, so, exactly. And and to push into this, you made a comment. You said, hey, the Old Testament, uh, some people are going to say that the Old Testament doesn't teach... Um, the resurrection from the dead. Uh, I, I want to say, I want to say a few things about that. Um, number one, that is certainly not what Jesus thought. <laughs> That's not what Jesus thought at it all. It is what the Sadducees you, look thought. At it, though. <laughs> yeah, it's what people have always thought that. There's always been people who didn't, who couldn't see. They had a veil over their eyes, you know. Uh, it is certainly not what paul thought i, I i've been meditating lately on 1st corinthians 15 he says jesus rose according to the scriptures <laughs> and some some people are like which scripture is it i you know maybe you can pin it down to a certain scripture but i think it's probably what paul is saying is actually that's the whole message of the old testament actually so this is a this is this is where it's all been pointing towards i'll also point out that I'm going to make some arguments. I'm going to let some people, I'm going to let our listeners decide how powerful they are. I'm going to argue for you right now that Job chapter 41 teaches, or excuse me, Job chapter 14 teaches resurrection. Okay, so here, let me read it to you. This is what Job says in Job chapter 14. I'm in verse 14. He, sa- he asks this question, if someone dies, will they live again? Okay, it's <laughs> a good question. Is there going to be resurrection? Um, here's what he says: All the days of my hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. So for him, he, you now here he calls it renewal. Uh, but the idea is, if somebody dies, will they live again? Job is saying, Yeah, I'm going to be renewed. I'm going to be put back together again. It's the the nursery rhyme is wrong. You know, can all the king's horses and all king the king's men put Humpty Dumpty together again? Job is saying, yeah, 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 he can. Uh, he goes on in verse 15. He says, you, this is why. This is why he's confident in his renewal. You will call and I will answer you. See, is that come on. That is Jesus. When Jesus calls into the tomb, come on. People come <laughs> out. You will call and I will answer you. And Job even tells you why he hopes in the resurrection is such a beautiful thought. You will listen to this. You will long for the creature your hands have made. Job has this confidence, right? Like, and 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 you know what, Timothy? I'm confident in that too. Um, I'm confident that God loves me. He actually loves me, and I'm so confident that I'm forgiven, loved child of God. That when that when my body goes into the ground. My father's going to look at me, and he's going to long for me. And he's going to be like, man, I need Jonathan. I need all of him. I need his body and his soul. I'm going to put him back together. I long for him. I believe that I've been, just, I've been justified that, that, that thoroughly, that, that I get to be with God, body and soul. This is the whole Christian hope, y'all. Come on. It is, it is, it is, this, it is this utter belief, this profound belief that God, because of Christ's blood, cannot do without us. Our bodies going to the ground. God wants us back. He has given life to the dead. This is our big hope, Timothy. Okay, so that's that's Job fourteen. Um, we looked at the resurrection in, in, in Job. The resurrection teaching in Job nineteen. I would suggest to you that uh, we'll get into this some more. But when Leviathan goes down, um, we're going to talk about connect him to Satan's work. But it, that what is that? That is the writer of the Hebrew says that Satan has the power of death. That's if Satan goes down; the power of death has to go down. That there's a teaching of of resurrection in that. If if you think about that, finally I would go to Job chapter forty-two, and we've we've mentioned this a couple times. we'll, we'll get into it again. When we get to Job chapter 42. But everything that that chapter is so suggestive. Everything there gets doubled. Job gets everything twofold, except the kids. Right? And we'll unpack this some more if you don't know what I'm talking about. But it sure seems like um, the j- kids, Job's kids actually do get doubled, and it's what is it what is it is doing. It's very, very suggestive of the resurrection from the dead. Now we'll talk about this. Some more, but this is such a key, key uh, teaching um, in the book of Job is the resurrection from the dead, and and it has to be, it it has to be. What, I mean, what what kind of a faith is it to to believe like that? The world is sin and brokenness and death, and then that's it. You know what? If, what if Job is sitting here in hospice care, and he's he's just coming to the end of it all, and that's it. You know it. Then everything is meaningless. You know everything. Everything truly is meaningless. Um, everything. But but Job doesn't believe that. He refuses to believe that and and he has not seen the Christ like we have. He know he knows he's trusting in the Christ. And and we've seen the Christ come and stand on the earth. We've seen him do it and and then walk right back out of the grave triumphant, powerful. We have every reason to believe that he is the first fruits, the first, just the beginning, you know, just the first part of the great resurrection uh, from the dead. <laughs> Timothy I I have this uh I have this uh vision in my head of, of Jesus talking to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus after he stood on our earth and on our ashes and he's talking he's talking to those guys like oh man our our big our guy went down we thought he was the one right <laughs> And he's standing on our ashes, and he's standing on our earth. And there's a part of me, Timothy, like I can't prove it. I'm not going to try to prove it. But there's a part of me that that uh, wonders if Jesus took those guys all the way back to the book of Job, the first book of the Bible. And he said, hey, guys, do you remember what Job said in Job chapter 19? Mm. And their hearts were burning within them. Their hearts were yearning within them. They were like exactly. they were starting that's to you? piece it together. What? That's you. <laughs> Duh. Exactly. Oh exactly. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's that's what I want, you know, dear listener, like what how can we respond to this? Yearn. Hope. See, like Job is doing here. He's seeing this day. He's believing this day with his whole heart. He wants to put it on a monument. I I, I want you to see it, not just the forgiveness of your sins. Certainly that, that's the central reality of our faith, the forgiveness of your sins. But more than that, I want you to see that Jesus is a complete and utter kinsman redeemer in every sense of the word. He is coming not just to give you forgiveness. He is coming to give you the total restoration of your skin and your life. Listen to what this is. A, I love this verse from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of the world, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So, complete and utter restoration. This is who the kinsman redeemer is. This is what Job, this is what I'm hoping for. My heart's burning within me right now, Timothy. Come on. I'm longing.
0: Thanks for listening to the Notable Podcast. Check out our other seasons to hear other people sharing their notes and highlights. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support us or hear more, visit NotablePodcast.com. That's N-O-T-A-B-L-E Podcast.com. Thanks for listening.